Good morning and welcome to Rimrock Church. Man, what a beautiful day, huh? Gosh, right when I got up, it was like already 60 degrees. Oh. If I don't plug in my guitar, you can't hear it, which some of you might prefer, but I do. There we go. All right. All right. So anyway, we want to welcome each of you here, and we want to welcome the Holy Spirit as he invades this place and invades our hearts. And uh, yeah, let's just lift him up this morning, right? Celebrate this beautiful day. Sin of 
God, don't we need that reminder how mighty our God is? <laughs> he can overcome whatever trouble, whatever trial, whatever struggle, even the grave itself is overcome. And aren't you thankful that our God is light and there is no darkness in Him at all? Wow, that's astounding. God is amazing. Well, we are here to worship Him, but I want to welcome you. My name is Pastor Ben Green, I serve as a pastor here, and I'm just so thankful that you're here to join us and to worship. We're a community. Our vision is to be a community being transformed by Jesus Christ. So, church, we're not better people. We're only forgiven people, and God is doing something in us through His Holy Spirit. And so, uh, none of us are perfect, but God is working, and we show grace because we've been given grace. We've been given, and so I want to invite you to um, not only just attend our worship services, but really make connections here to, to uh, get to know people and, and be part of the community in Christ. And so uh, there's little cards in front of you, and if you're new, visiting, we'd love to reach out and welcome you. There, you can fill out that information. There's a couple offering boxes in the back, or there's a welcome center uh, in the foyer where you can drop that off, and there's a gift there. And so we'd love to welcome you to our community. So... Um, Throughout the year, there's several opportunities for parents, and uh, I have three boys, and I remember these Sundays that are marked in my mind where Jill and I would come up in front of the church, and we would uh, bring our kids, and we would uh, say, Lord, they're yours, <laughs> your kids, right? But I think what uh, Pastor Boomer has done so well here at Rimrock is he's reminding us that it's not just a dedication of our children, but it's also a commissioning of us as parents, because God... God has entrusted us as parents with these, these incredible lives to shepherd them, to disciple them, to, to help them, to lead them to a point in their lives where they can uh, grow and, and become the people that God has called them to be. And so uh, October 10th, we're going to have a, a public commissioning for parents. So, so if you're a new parent or you're a parent whose kids are older and you've never done that and you want to do that, don't miss this opportunity to... Uh, to, to come before the church and say, I, I need God's help, and I want to be commissioned by the church uh, to fulfill the purpose of a parent for these, these children. So that's October 10th. Contact Boomer, our family pastor, if you're interested in that. So I've been going through Nehemiah and my demo devotions, and as we continue in worship and prayer, I've I, I was struck this morning as I was reading Nehemiah 9, and, and some of you know that story of, of the Israelites coming back out of exile hard time, a lot of destruction, a lot of hardship. Some of you have had a lot of hardship this past couple of years. And this was what struck me about the prayer. Go ahead and close your eyes. And this is the prayer in Nehemiah, and it's one of the great prayers of the Bible. He says, Blessed be your glorious name. Oh God, you are glorious. And may it be exalted in all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord, and you made the heavens even the highest heavens and all their starry hosts. Just reflect on that reality. That God is the creator. He's the maker. His glory is beyond measure. 
the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them, you give life to everything. <laughs> Do you know that this morning, that your breath today is because of God? And the multitudes of heaven worship you. And so as we're worshiping here this morning, your voice is not alone. Millions upon millions before the throne, as Nick reminded us last week. And this is what struck me as he goes on to pray. Now, therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. And Lord, you know the hardship in this place. You know the grief in different hearts. You know the conflicts that different people here are facing. God, it's not trifling in your eyes. You say, you keep your covenant of love. You keep your covenant of love. The hardship that has come upon us and our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on the ancestors and all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria to today, all this has happened to us. <laughs> and you have remained righteous. <laughs> oh, we praise you, Lord. You have acted faithfully. Can you say to the Lord, God, you have been faithful. And we acted wickedly. But God, you were faithful. God, we are humbled in this place, recognizing that we need your forgiveness. We need your grace. But God, you are righteous. You are faithful and you are good. Lord, may your name be exalted in this place. Amen. 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 So this uh, week has been really amazing. You know, there's hundreds of people that have been working and praying and giving for the Will Graham celebration. And if you haven't uh, been down to the Civic Center, I guess it's called the Monument now, but man, you're missing out because it has been a sweet time. And hundreds of people have come forward and given their lives to Jesus. Yesterday morning I was there, hundreds of children coming forward, giving their life to Jesus. And you know, it's so interesting how God gifts certain people with the gift of evangelism. And the first night w that we were there, and uh, I don't know how you guys felt if you were there, but Will Graham is, is not like this super fluent, you know, flowy. He's just a real down-to-earth guy. And I thought, gosh, he's kind of, you know, struggling a little tonight, <laughs> right? And then hundreds of people come forward to give their lives to Jesus. And it just shows it's God. It's not a person. But if you haven't come, and especially if you haven't brought a friend, man, I remember how lost I was. And these Christians bugging me about, you need Jesus. You know, Jesus loves you. Finally, I surrendered to that. The life change was so miraculous. And we have that privilege and that opportunity to bring someone down to the Civic Center tonight at 7 o'clock a friend, a family member, whatever, and then let God do his thing. But we need to be faithful, and I know so many of you are. I see your faces down there, and I bless God for that. But for all of you that haven't made it, you know, try to pray about that today. Who could you bring with you? And eternity could be changed tonight. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside.
in our lives that we think are going to bring us joy and peace and they don't. They just bring us pain. Jesus, you are the source of all peace and all joy. And 
Spirit, God, that's the blood of the tomb, Lord. Speak to us now through Bill, God. Holy Spirit, would you fall? Would you open the eyes of our hearts right now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. How are you doing, Darcy? I so wanted to walk over there and dance with you. It just looked so awesome. Right in rhythm, too. It was great. Well, welcome. We are continuing a few of the series of pretty much, I, I liked it, the togetherness and the, the unity of a body and what it's like for a body to do things in corporate worship. And about two and a half, maybe three weeks ago, I had the uh, privilege, and my wife and I went with a couple that uh, took us down to the jungles of uh, Costa Rica. And we were kind of walking through the jungle, and I wandered off alone a little bit just to kind of go back and see if there was a path that would be a shorter shortcut to where we were going. And while I was walking, I, I came along and uh, I saw it looked like a carpet of leaves that were just kind of flowing. And if you look behind me, you'll see this tree. And I don't know if you can see it very well, but you'll see a, there was a carpet of leaves just moving. I couldn't see the ants at first. All I saw was this carpet just of leaves just moving. And you'll notice that as a carpet is completely full, it doesn't show it as well there because it was just like a flowing carpet, there were ants on their way back. And the ants on the way back were going, and they were going up to the top of the tree, and then the other ones were bringing these leaves. And the, they call them uh, uh, leaf cutters. And their teeth are they're like a chainsaw, and they just cut like this, and they cut the square out, and then they bring it as far as they can bring it. And when they were... Bringing this down, as you can kind of see here, they're just on a mission. And I happened to run into a guide, and I said, I, I saw this incredible thing. And he said, well, this is an incredible story, because he said, when, when these ants go up and they get a certain leaf, and I said, is that for them to eat? He said, no, that's for them to, they gather it, and they go, and they go underground, and I think you saw the hole, they would bring it down into this hole. And two to eight million ants did this. And they would go and they would stack these uh, leaves up and they would stack them up and they'd, all of them would get on top of them and they'd have a little bit of weight, if an ant can have weight. And they basically put them down there and then these leaves would grow algae. And they would then live off the algae for the time that were there. And it was amazing when the people that were investigating these and they went and they dug down and they used one of those scopes and they dug down and they went down underneath and the size of this colony was the size of a football field with all kinds of stacks of algae that was down there. And I was looking at it and, and a, a verse came to mind It says, consider the ants, you lazy one. They don't even have a chief ruler or a commander and yet they do things all in order. And uh, the guy I was with, Kurt Litke, said, and you know what's really fascinating about it? None of them are rebelling against God's design. They're just doing what they were told. And so you saw what could not be done alone. I saw just fascinated. It fascinated me. I stood there. I got a hold of them. They came and took pictures with us, too. And just to see how God displayed his design in animals. And many of you know different animals, and you've seen the different things, and they should wow you sometimes when you see what an animal does out of God's instinct that he put into an animal. He even says that all of the animals declare his glory because they have instinct placed inside of them. Man does not have instinct. You and I were made differently. When we try to operate the way they did, we fall apart. We were made by God's design to have a vacancy that would be our power source, which would be the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And as the Holy Spirit indwells us, then we begin to reflect the glory of God in a way that God is magnified and glorified, in ways that we cannot do alone. Romans 1 says, when a man does not take into that design and live in that design, he self-destructs. 
Matter of fact, the French Bible, I, I, I like the wording of it, it says man then becomes animal man. It means he's animal because he, he falls apart, but he does not have instinct, but he will not draw upon the power of the Holy Spirit the way we're designed. And, and today I'd like to challenge you with something. It's not going to be a very long time here because I want you to think about something. You've been listening to the different things that we do as a corporation of the body together. That's not just limited to just Rimrock. It is those brothers and sisters that you have contact with. And you're going to see some things that I think will be pretty at least challenging to you as we go through. The design of God was that you and I, as we develop our union and our intimacy with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us, we therefore reflect to the, this world the image of God in ways that nobody else can do. And we learn that first individually. We learn it one-on-one -on -one with God. We learn this, this uh, union of solitude with God. But then there's something that comes into play here, and this is what we've been trying to challenge each other with and challenge uh, ourselves with. There is a dynamic that comes that can only be found when you do something together with your relationships. I'm reminded of David when, when David taught, said the incredible prayer when he got done, and what he was doing it was he was raising money and raising funds to build the temple. And it was something David could not do alone. There were some things that, that are going to lay on your heart that can't be done alone. And David says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. And it lies in your hands to make great and to strengthen anyone. For who am I and who are my people that we have been able to join together and do so liberally as we have done? Have we not just taken from your right hand and given it to your left? And he goes and he shows what happens when the whole uh, nation got together and all worked together in one that they could build and raise the money for this temple that would be later on given to Solomon to actually build the temple. Afterwards, and this is fascinating, after this was done and after they raised the money, basically he said there was a joy overflowing in us that we basically they threw a party for seven days. There is something about us together doing things, whether it's serving or whether it's giving, that you cannot get apart from it. I don't know how this will turn out, but I, uh, my wife and I, about four years ago, we became uh, viewers of golf. Now, I know a lot of you just go, okay? Mostly because we can't play it, okay? But... Uh, I was reminded of something, and I remember when I used to play ball, you've heard of the saying, and you watch television, you'll say, they have a hometown advantage. They have the hometown advantage. And I, I want you to look at a scene here from the Riders' Cup just took place a couple of days ago. We'll see if it turned out. And just kind of watch kind of something, what happens of playing in the United States against the Europe team. Sixty thousand people attended this in Wisconsin. It was our hometown advantage in the United States. Forty-six years ago was the last time we ever had a lead like this. And you saw them get pumped up. It was fascinating after that, looking at the hometown advantage. I've seen it in basketball, I've seen it in all kinds of sports, I've seen it in soccer. Something takes place inside of you that was designed by God. It says there is a release of adrenaline. There is an ability to, to reach your maximum when there is a crowd of witnesses that is encouraging you. 
We saw the difference when we started watching sports a year and a half ago when nobody could be in the stands. Same putt. Maybe one person that was kind of taking the picture would clap. It was difficult to get to that place. I don't think it's an amped up thing of the flesh. As I look back in the scriptures and I see what happened and it said even when the nations would roar together and serve together, it was like a, a tornado. It was as loud as it could be of thunder. We are going to have something similar to that when we come to a place when all of a sudden we're in the heavens and it says and the, the, the sound and the, and the energy will be unbelievable. I have played sports with hometown advantage. I don't know what to, how to explain it other than there is a release of something that somehow I could perform better. I want to challenge you that as, as we serve together, as we sing together, as we give together, there is a joy that surpasses something, not that it's better, it just surpasses something that you can't do alone and you can't get alone. I was privileged, I saw my sister out here, I was privileged to see that we were invited to a, a, a thing in, uh, in Amsterdam. It was Billy Graham actually put it on and it was for itinerant evangelists and it was from these evangelists from 200 different countries and then we'd get together in the evening and just nobody could speak anybody else's language but we were together and there was an unbelievable power that took place when we were together in unison. And I think sometimes we miss out on the fact that in our lives, we, we, some of you might just love giving, you, you long to give, and, uh, and, and so you look for needs that you see out there, and they, something catches your eye, and you go, and you, you get that, and sometimes you give in secret, and you drop off the couch in somebody's yard that they were looking for a couch, and you're rewarded. And it, matter of fact, it says in 1 Corinthians, it says, not just for the gift that you were given, but so that you might experience the joy come from giving. And you give that gift, and it's just exciting. But there's something that you're going to be able to have on your heart. And if you'll stop sometimes long enough and say, God, how do you want to display your life through me today? He may put something on your heart that is impossible for you to achieve by yourself. And so, so therefore, sometimes we just throw it out. I see so many different needs, and I say, well, I can't do anything about it. But you know what? As a corporate body, maybe we can. Maybe if I go, to go ahead and bring something up and say, you guys, I saw a need that took place. It wasn't uh, seven years ago, and, uh, and some of you know uh, one of the preachers here, uh, my son Nick, had a virus that pretty much wiped him out and destroyed him. We didn't know if he'd ever walk again. We didn't know if he'd live. And so basically, he was uh, in a wheelchair, couldn't move anything. And some of you people in this church decided that we need to find a way to help him, but you couldn't do it alone. So you put the word out. And other people from the body came together and they started building ramps for him. They went in it and widened his doors. They, they did all kinds of different things. They even went together and got him later on when he could move his legs, but not much. They got him together. They got him an e-bike so he could actually bike uh, when he cannot do it otherwise. And I've talked to some of you. I've seen some of you. And he was blessed by this. And his wife Sherry is blessed. And I was blessed. But I saw you guys be giddy doing this. The Apostle Paul talks about a joy that he gets from his life and his walk with God. But over and over in, in the scriptures it says, but exceeding joy, overflowing joy comes when the body begins to together do and serve and give. There was some type of a joy that Paul could not get just alone by him secretly. My challenge for you and me in this is that in the scriptures when it says they were blessed because in unity did they give, is for you to start kind of maybe even today, say, God, is there any way that you want to lay something on my heart where I can know how to serve somebody with the gifts that you've given me, 
or that I might be able to go ahead and give something that you have given to me. If it's something that you're able to do alone, do alone in secret. It says, and God will reward you. But if it seems too big, don't stop. We were designed to serve and we were designed to give corporately together. This happens all through Scripture. All through Scripture, he's encouraging people to join together and so that you might create a hometown advantage for those people that you're given to. There's something that I can't explain, but it's something that is together, that comes together, and it's like, man, something is raised up, and God is glorified in it. And it might be something you say, Donovan, here's something that came to my heart today. I can't really do it. And it might be a couple of us can do it. He said, ah, let's get some more people involved. Let me give you a warning in this. God says in, in the Corinthians, when he talks about corporately giving, and he, gives, and he says, bring your gifts so that you might give abundantly beyond anything you can imagine, dream, or think. He said, basically, make sure that you're doing that with a cheerful heart, a hilarious giver. That doesn't mean that if I get something on my mind that God's laid in my mind that I don't go ahead and say, Ben, you need to do this. Ben, you've got to do this. No, you can't. You should be doing this, Ben. It's got to be something that comes from his heart. It's not something that we have to coerce somebody into doing it. But we can lay it out there and say, here's a need. A couple years before this happened, uh, we had another elder that was in this church, and his four-wheeler fell back, Dave Westergaard, and basically hit him, and we thought he was going to be paralyzed. He still walks like Nick does with a limp. And I know you were kind of a chief one in that, Donovan, but we got together, many of us got together, we gave as we could give, and it was a, it was a joy to see what happened as we began to serve him and give to him corporately together. Things that we could not have done alone because we don't have the resources or the capacity. I don't think you don't have the resources capacity because God didn't bless you. I think God wants you to lean on others so that together we corporately can hold hands and we can begin to minister. So when you're praying and say, God, what do you see? If it's something that looks, wow, that would be so cool to see that happen. Just lay it out and let people see what the Holy Spirit does in their life. When I've seen that happen, I've seen Two people, four people, 100 people, 200 people come together and say, let's do this. I've seen it in our community of Rapid City. When our churches early on, about 38, 40 years ago, we had a really divided congregation of people in this town. I knew because I knew a lot of the pastors, and they wouldn't go to each other's church. They wouldn't talk to each other. And something happened where all of a sudden the community came together and the churches started coming together and they started serving not just in their bodies together but in the city together and it changed the, the atmosphere of the body of Christ. And somehow the world began to see, the rapid city began to see something happened here, something changed. I saw this happen back in 1970. Two, and uh, notice my brother's here, and he, he was there too. We went to a concert uh, that was put on down in Dallas called Expo 72. Anybody heard of that? Not very many. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands, 200,000 people were there, and it was kind of at the kickoff of the Jesus Revolution when all of the hippies became believers. And they had... Uh, you went out and you did things, there was some teaching, but then there was a concert that was put on by, at least at that time, who were the famous musicians. And there was something about being in that atmosphere that did something inside you that I have never been able to reproduce on my own. And I love listening to music. Now, I don't think that the world stole something. This year... At the Sturgis Rally with Kid Rock playing was the biggest gathering of musicians ever in the history of the United States. 500,000 people were there. Now, I don't think that they were knowing that somehow there was a reflection of God in this because it didn't seem like it. But they got to experience something because of the design of God. God. 
that people were meant to do things together. They're meant to join together. They're meant to be one another. Way more than if they were to just win one person and listen to that guy play. I think that we have the opportunity for us to say, okay, God, you have called us to serve, and you've wanted us to serve with the opportunity of serving with one another. You've called us to give, and so you wake up in the morning and say, Father, you own all the resources in the world. It says everything in the heavens and the earth are yours. It lies in your power to make great and to strengthen everyone. So therefore, God, you've put in my heart somebody today that I'm walking around that somehow it's like a, a light shines out of one person says they have a need and you're wanting me to be a meter of that need. If it's something individually, take it. You'll be the one blessed for it. But if it's something that says, oh, that's just, I can't do that, that's impossible, I encourage you today to welcome the body of Christ together to go ahead and say, bring it out loud to somebody and just see if God wants to do something. When I look back at the design of instinct in animals, as long as they are obedient and not rebellious, they get the, their whole community of 8 million people got to live down there and eat the, from ants from the things that they put together because none of them turned and did their own rogue thing. God says, follow the design. And one of the designs that we sang two songs about today was, I surrender. I'm going to surrender, God, to your design for how, how worship is supposed to be, how singing is supposed to be, how baptism is supposed to be, how communion is supposed to be how serving one another is supposed to be, how giving is supposed to be, is it's not just done in solitude. There's something that gives a hometown advantage when we begin to gather people and say, together, let's see a need. You even saw Tom just get excited about what's happening down at the Billy Graham deal. When there's a group of people, some power is released there. Don't take it for just what I'm saying here today. I've been able to experience it, and I've been able to see it, but I've been able to see that a joy that overflows when a body of people come together and do something. First time I ever really saw this when we uh, moved to Rapid City after playing baseball, we had a, a little counseling center, and I mean, we, we weren't sure if we would be eating the next day. It just uh, for some idiotic reason, uh, Everybody said, well, what do you charge? I said, nothing. We're just going to put up a sign that basically uh, allows free counseling. And uh, there was no money come in. I'd, I'd go to the mailbox, and I'd open the mailbox, and I would look in there looking for a white envelope that might have a check in it. And a lot of times it was just air mail. Nothing but air. And somebody that was associated with us got a terrible disease. And that person would only feel less pain if she was in an oxygen chamber every day. And we just watched her hurt, and we watched her hurt. And somebody that was going to this church here said, how about if we go together and figure out if God wants to raise her an oxygen chamber that she can have in her house? And somehow we saw stuff flooding in. Everybody was giddy. Everybody was excited. There was a joy in the community of being able to come and present and drive it to her house and get her an oxygen chamber so that for the next 25 years of her life before she died, she could be in an oxygen chamber every day to be at least pain reduced. I saw that and something happened in me that I showed there was no limit that God can do as a body. Does it make sense to you? I encourage you. There's a lot of other illustrations I found in the scriptures. I was going through and I said, we'll use this one. No, we'll use this one. We'll use the one with David. We, no, we'll use the one with Paul. And I realized, I don't know that you need other illustrations. And I don't know that you're going to believe this until you taste it. Until you go ahead and say, God, let me become a part of how you want to be a giver as a community. And let, when I hear a need, I want to join into that. You will not regret it. There is something that is released, some type of, of adrenaline that will come in here. And you're going to provide 
an incredible hometown advantage for this person or this body. Pray with me. Father, I realize that there's sometimes there's uh, no, not words that can somehow bring any power to it. You said that yours is the victory and the power and the majesty, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. But I would pray that you would individually touch each person here today, that they would somehow find a, a desire in their heart, at least that they would be a, a looking for how to be a part of how they're giving can be broader than just giving alone. And I pray that we'd be sensitive to those that don't necessarily feel that leading in the one area just because we do. You said in Romans there are many, many members but only one body. Some have one gift and some have the other. And that we would not try to make people be like our gift. We would not let everybody just be an eye or an ear. I'm going to just look forward, Father, to the stories that you're going to go ahead and make alive in your people today as they begin to join in. And I'm going to trust you, Holy Spirit, to take and lead and direct them in this truth. And we ask it knowing you will respond because Jesus said we could ask in his name. Amen. Amen. Now, this little Graham thing, there are 148 different churches of every denomination, and it is an experience to be down there. So, join us tonight. Two. Stand and sing this. Here we go. We are one in the spirit. shine his light through us. Father, do that through us, God. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Just fill us with your energy and your vision to go out and shine your light, God. Do it together. 
God, do it tonight. We pray you'd fill that Civic Center with people who know you and love you and people who don't know you yet, God. Move by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll see you Wednesday night. Take care. Cheers.